With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio. Very, very, very glad to have on as a frequent guest once again. Uh, now four-time champion, owner of the Golden State Warriors, that would be Joe Lake. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. That sounds pretty good when you say it that way. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't really talked to you since the clinching in Boston. Just can you run us through, like, is this one feel different to you, Joe? Is this one kind of hit you in a different way than the previous three championships? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Secondly, I'm very lucky to be able to even answer that question. <laughs> how does this one feel compared to the others? But uh, it does feel different is the answer to your question. You know, the first one will always be special because it was the first one. And it was a a great achievement. It was our big goal. The next two were certainly great. But this one, maybe a little more unexpected to some extent, although I did have high expectations for us this year. But, you know, I'm not sure we could have expected to win it all. I think if we would have gotten to the finals, we would have felt, you know, quite good in terms of where our team was coming back. We had a lot of injuries during the year. So I think the way it all came together, not having the whole team healthy until the very beginning of the playoffs, I think it was a great playoff run, and, and I think we'll go down as something quite special. I've asked, I think, Steve about this. I've asked Bob about this, some of the players. Like, is there a moment during this playoff run that you think you're going to remember that like, you're in 10 years when you think about this particular championship run? that you will remember maybe especially fondly or especially in, in a way that is just unique about this? You know, we played the Cavaliers and all the others. <laughs> well, Toronto. Well, yeah, no, the champions. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, all the yeah we're the ones yeah. we won. And um, Toronto one year that we did play. Now, I think this is a little special for me because I grew up in the Boston area. So did Peter. And the fact that we could play the Celtics who were as a, as a, as a kid anyway, they were like everything. They were, you know, the sixties, they were the dynasty uh, early days of the NBA. So the fact that we could do it on the parquet floor, albeit not the original parquet floor, but on the parquet floor in Boston with that crazy crowd, the fact that they were, I think by most thought to be more athletic and favored maybe in the beginning of the series. So uh, I think it was pretty special. And we were down to one, by the way, I always remember these ones where, you know, several other series in our runs that we were down to one in Memphis in 2015, I think down to Houston, three games to two, right down three to one. It wasn't the finals, Oklahoma city and, and, and coming back, but this was in the finals against Boston. It, it was just pretty special. You mentioned before that series how badly you wanted to win because it was Boston. You always want to win a championship, but you really, I think you said to me, you really, 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 really wanted to win this one. What were your emotions kind of through, Joe, to be sitting in Boston, as you mentioned, that crazy crowd? Did you kind of go through ups and downs? What were your emotions through that series? You know, I'm much more emotional when we're at home. 
because I feel like a lot of pressure for us to win in front of our home crowd. When we're on the road, I tend to be more calm, more objective. I was emotional, but I've been through this a few times too, sort of like the players. So I didn't panic at any time, I don't think. Even when we're down 2-1, I felt pretty confident uh, that we could we could even it up and go on to win. Uh, the fact that they hadn't lost, I don't know, for months and months, two in a row. You know, everyone said they couldn't. Of course, we went on to beat them three in a row. You know, it was emotional, but it was also difficult for me because, as you know, uh, I, for the last four or five months, was having a lot of back sur- back problems. And by the time the last, I, mean, I was delaying surgery, which I had two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, it was really difficult sitting at the games and just in Boston. I'll never forget. The thing I remember most was that game. I was in so much pain just sitting there. And then uh, even the champion, the uh, party after. I literally couldn't stay more than an hour. I was in so much pain. So those are kind of funny things that you remember that, you know, nobody else knows about. Which game was it? Were you talking about when you were in so much pain? Was it? Oh, all of them. All of them. But the last one in particular, game six, was just horrendous. I was so in need of of the surgery, Uh, and of course, uh, then I had to go through the draft. Not free agency yet, but the draft. And uh, the morning after the draft, I had surgery at six (laughs) a.m. Well timed, I guess. But I mean. Does that change your offseason? Obviously, you're not in Las Vegas. You're normally in Las Vegas. Are you having to scale back some of your involvement just because your presence is... is no, is, no, is, I've uh, been very involved in free agency. I did not go to LA this year. Normally, I do LA free agency with Bob or Bob's in New York. You know, we're in different places. But this year, I did it from here because I really couldn't move. But now, I'm going to I'm going to Vegas uh, this weekend. So I'm, I'm doing pretty well and uh, hope to put in uh, put in some time there. Can't slow down Joe Lake, my goodness. So let's let's spin it to the offseason. I mean, I think for the first time, I think there was some, a little surprise that maybe for the first time I can remember, Gary Payton II, a player you guys said you wanted to keep, obviously wanted to keep, and did not match or meet the, the offer that he got to go to Portland. Was there a little bit of like, wait, this is different for us, like we just can't get to that dollar number or year number for Gary Payton II? And is there... Now a number out there for the Warriors obviously have been spending all this tax money and will be spending immense tax money into the future. Is there a, a budget number that you're just kind of not going to go over at this point? I mean, I've always said since we bought the team, we would go into the tax if we felt we had a chance to go far and win the championship or something like that. And we didn't in, in the early years because we weren't that close. We eventually did. And we've been in it, I, I don't know how many times now. But uh, several, four or five. Yeah, three or four, yeah, I mean, possibly going into five, yeah. But this year was a huge number, uh, obviously. In fact, it set an NBA record. I think it was $170 million of tax on top of an overage of 30 or $40 million. So it was like $200 million all over the luxury tax, $225 million or something over the cap. So that's more than most teams, if not almost all, spent. So... You may remember last year we when we went through this, uh, everyone said we had a bad Bob had a bad free agency, Bob and Joe, right? We only signed minimums. And the reason really is when you're top heavy like we are, we've got these guys that have been with our team for a long time, Steph, Clay, Draymond. Uh, you can add Wiggins on top of that, but four, four big contracts, three that have been with us for a long time and have, you know, making a lot of money, they take up the entire payroll normalized. So to go over that, we knew last year it was, you know, we didn't use the mid-level. We kind of were pretty clear we likely weren't going to use it. Same thing for the most part this year. But we know we have to fill out the bottom end of the roster with minimums and be very smart about it. We were criticized last year, but actually Bob did an incredible job. 
talk about everything working out. All of those guys, Iguodala was injured quite a bit, but other than that, worked out really, really well. And the problem with that, though, on the other end today, is that those guys, because we won and because they played well, are a lot more valuable than they were a year ago. We're in the same situation we were a year ago. We really can't do much more than minimums uh, at the you know certain free agency. We can't go and sign free agents. We don't have the money to do it. And so no surprise to us that if these guys got, like Gary Payton had a good year, that he got a big offer, you know, it was going to be very unlikely we could resign him no matter how much we love him. And we do, we did like him a lot. He got a much bigger offer. And in fact, than we thought he would get way beyond. And I'm not saying he's not worth it or is worth it, but it is a lot. And it's not something that we really could entertain doing. And Otto Porter, another, had a great year for us. I'm not saying he's not deserving of what he got because he is. But, you know, if he got that, we knew we'd be in trouble. And so that's how it played out. To some extent, these guys played really well and made themselves more valuable, and we made them more valuable. And so, unfortunately, in that situation, they have to move on, and we have to bring in some other guys. Now, we did step it up with Dante DiVincenzo in a way that we probably weren't planning on doing. But after losing, uh, you know, several guys uh, and it feeling pretty bleak, and he became an opportunity. He's a very good player. He became an opportunity. We had to step you know, as far as we could go. So as a result of that, we're over where we were last year significantly, which was already an NBA record. Maybe- That's just counting the raises for Steph, Draymond, and Clay yeah. here. Yeah, and, and Dante was not a minimum. Like last year, we signed yeah. minimums. Yeah. But having said that, the difference between Dante and Gary, let's say, it's not just that. Gary was a minimum last year. And you multiply everything times six or seven or whatever the multiple is, it's an enormous amount of money. So I guess the answer to your question is, you know, I wasn't really too optimistic in the beginning that we would be able to retain all these guys. We thought we could retain one or two. It didn't go that way. It went worse than that or better for the, if you will, for them. You did retain Looney. You did retain Kevon Looney. So. We did. And that was a priority for us, obviously. And he's one of our own that we felt we had to, had to bring back. First of all, he did a great job. Uh, secondly, you know, he's been with us. He's like falls in somewhat into a category of guys that have been with us, what, seven years now? So he's, uh, you know, he's, he's one of the longest tenured guys in the league also now. People don't stay with teams this long. And with James Wiseman coming back this year, he's looking great. We're incredibly excited about it. But you can't have one center. And, uh, there, you know, until Wiseman actually plays, I don't think we could go into the season without Looney. I'll just ask you the specific question. I'm not sure the answer is like, is there a number that you put up there for, for Bob? Or did you guys have a number like, we can't go over 420, you know, total commitment or, or 450? You're really good at reporting. Uh, you're <laughs> one of the smarter reporters out there, but I'm going to tell you, your numbers are kind of messed up. Okay. Uh, I will just say that. You were throwing numbers out like 400 and 500. I don't know. Yeah, like yeah, the multiples go crazy. Those numbers crazy. are not even remotely possible. They're just not. I'm already in trouble with the rest of the league. <laughs> We are in trouble for being where we are. In fact, you know, Vegas, I'll be a board, NBA board of governors meeting on Tuesday. Let me tell you, they're not happy. Uh, it's not just us. The other teams are going to luxury tax this now as well. You know, we kind of blew a hole in the system. And it's not a good look from the league's perspective. They don't want to see it happen. Uh, and there's, there are limits. I'm not going to say what they are, but there are limits to what you can do. You have said that we bring in a lot of revenue. We're very successful at generating revenue, Brandon Schneider and his group. And you are correct. We had a terrific year revenue-wise. We went to the finals. That's obvious. But I can tell you that the expenses are also incredibly all-time record, not just player salaries, but everything else. You know, so it all adds up. And 
you know, we spend everything we make. We don't take anything distributions to me or I've never taken a dollar. None of our partners have taken a dollar. We just pile it back into building an arena, which we did for five years. We were making a lot of money in Oakland in the last few years. We piled it into building this arena without public help. And now when we're in a stage where our players have gotten, you know, been with us longer and they make more money and we want to retain them, we want to continue to go for championships, it's piling all that money into player salaries. And that's what we've done here last year and, and, and last few years and we'll again do this year. Well, I'd say I'm not the only one who's kind of looked at the numbers and say you're heading towards 400, but you're saying that's wildly off? Um, what I'm saying is to assume that we would go four or five hundred million dollars and that is not accurate. It's just not possible. Okay. Oh, I said like that. It's, it, if you if you game it out, it could end up there, but obviously there's ways around that. We're not far but, from it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, like you look at some of this stuff. I'm just saying it's not. You can't expect those kinds of numbers unless you know we were to raise everyone's ticket prices immensely, and I don't think anyone wants that. <laughs> I think they're pretty good right now. Well, let's talk about something, you know, some future costs. I don't know how much you can or want to say, but you do have a possible rookie extension for Jordan Poole, which it could knock your number way up in the future. And you have Andrew Wiggins, who's going to be, a, you know, scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent after the end next season. Are those two players you would plan to have extension discussions with this summer going into the, you know, going into before the season starts? Well, that's up to Bob, really. I mean, he's great at this. He's a great strategist with negotiating. He's done a great job over 10 years now. And, you know, we have time to do those things. There's no rush on all that. I'm sure there'll be some discussions this summer, but, you know, we have until October, end of October, I think it is with Jordan Poole to keep him from going into the status of a restricted free agent the following summer, uh, which, you know, we'll, we'll certainly have those conversations. I'm sure we'll be discussing something with Andrew this summer. They're two great players in their 20s, one mid to late, one early 20s, and we'd love to retain them. But this becomes the problem going forward when you have a team like ours with you've got, you know, three guys that have been with us a long time, make a lot of money, huge salaries. Uh, Steph Clay and Draymond, you've got these two guys going to be getting into the, well, one already is in big salary mode and wants to stay there. And the other one is going to be clearly making a lot more money. He's a very good young player. So it's going to be difficult. I'm not going to sit here and lie to the fan base. It's going to be really difficult to figure out what we'll do next summer. This year, we're good. We're going to run it. I would call this is running it back. Some people may think that because Peyton and a couple of people are not back, there's always going to be some change. Yesterday is yesterday and the future is the future or today is the today and future is future. So we think we're going to have a great team this year. But, you know, next summer we're going to be faced with more issues uh, with respect to the, the, uh, the cap and luxury tax and all that. And we'll just have to see how this goes. I mean, it's sort of a year-to-year thing. Let's see how everybody plays. Let's see if we are contending again, which we think we will. Let's see if we're going to win again. You know, that certainly extends what we're able to do. If we don't, you know, you have to sort of re- rethink things a little bit. Yeah, the, the Jordan Poole contract, I don't want to linger on this, but the Jordan Poole contract, if it is very high, that's how you would get over 400. That's the, that's those projections. And, and, and understand that you don't have to deal with that right now. You have to do it right now. But that's how you get to those numbers. Well, you mentioned Wiseman. You've got Jonathan Kaminga. You've got Moses Moody, three very recent lottery picks who did not play a lot or at all in the playoffs. How much do you think this team is kind of focused on them playing some sort of roles next season? Well, I think they're going to have quite a bit. And we anticipated this. We planned on this. They're going to have, a, you know, fortunately, they were pretty good this year. We saw what we needed to see on another team that wasn't competing for a championship. They would have played a lot more. Not Wiseman, he was injured. 
but I'm talking about Jonathan and uh, Moses in particular. You know, you can plan on seeing them quite a bit more this next year, uh, I would suspect. They're going to take on bigger roles. And that was in the plan. This is year two for them. And Wiseman, of course, sort of like year one and a half, uh, but he's going to play a big role this year as well. And he's looking great. He's really healthy. And so, you know, we're going to have to, that's up to the coaches who they play. We don't tell them who to play, but I would suspect that they are big candidates to log a lot more minutes than they did last year. And they should be ready for it. And if not, you know, we'll figure that out. I don't think it's a secret that you've been a big proponent of James Wiseman from the moment you drafted him through the years. So just Did you have every bit of confidence in him that you've had when you drafted him? It has been a bit, a bit of a tough go for him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Wiseman right now? Well, very tough go. The guy's had a lot of bad luck. And um, I think he's an immense talent. I mean, you can say what you want. The proof will be in the pudding. It doesn't matter what I say uh, or what I believe. It's what happens on the court. But give this guy the whole year. He needs playing time. He needs to play. And by the end of the year, I believe he'll be a very solid player for us. He needs experience, though. I think he's going to get it this year. He is, I can tell you, he's had five-on-five scrimmages, uh, finally, uh, two of them that I personally watched in the last week. And I believe he's going to play on, don't hold me to it because I'm not determining all these things, but I believe he's going to play on Sunday, and I will be there. I will just tell you, I think he has the potential to be an enormously positive addition to the minutes rotation on our team. He is a monster. And uh, there just aren't, I'm sorry, I've been watching basketball all my life. I have not seen many players do what he can do. He's gotten bigger and stronger. He is, uh, he's got to get his timing back clearly. He needs the experience. He's 20 years old, 21 years old, I guess. So, you know, we have a different we think of these things a little differently. I'm not looking at all overnight. It doesn't have to be an overnight sensation, but over a few years, he needs to become a really good player. And I think he will be. To answer your question, I think he's going to be fantastic. I'm really excited. I'm really excited about Jonathan Kaminga. I think he's got enormous potential as well. Moses Moody, uh, in some ways, maybe the most far along of the three of them. I mean, he's uh, maybe the, uh, you'd have to decide, you know, what you think about who has the highest upside and highest floor and all that stuff. But Moses is a really smart player. He's a really good three-point shooter. He's got great size. We're very excited about him as well. So, look, we're pretty excited about these guys. It, people criticized me and us. Some people did for the quote dual timeline. Why would you two timelines? It's the two timeline. Two, two timelines. timelines. Yeah. Now everyone thinks it's brilliant, you know, because <laughs> we won. I would think the fans and like us, we don't want to have a span of five or ten years where we're not good. We want to try to win championships. We did it. We're going to try to do it again this year. And at the same time, develop young players who can eventually, you know, continue to take more and more minutes as the older guys start to take less of a role. Safe to say you'll be picking up Wiseman's fourth-year option? That's for Bob to and the guys. I'm not going to answer those guys. Uh, it's so easy. That's a layup there. That's a layup, and you can assume the answer, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Okay. Well, you do mention I'll, – I'll, I'll give you another one here. You mentioned run it back. There is – you know, a theoretical way to trade a lot of what you have and to get a big, big, big name coming back who may or may not be requesting a trade uh, that you're familiar with. I won't mention names. I'm not in this to get you in trouble. But is that at all a prospect that you could tear it all up because of what you built here? You've won a championship. And you know what? There's a superstar out there. Let's go get that guy. I'm not going to comment specifically on any player. 
you know, you've heard, you know what this answer is going to be, <laughs> which is we will always look at any opportunities to make ourselves better. The question you have to ask is better near term, better intermediate term, or better long term. And, you know, some options uh, to building the team, if we were to pivot in some way, some partial way, might give us a even higher upside near term, but might decrease the long term. So these are the things that Bob and the group all, you know, and, and we have to look at and determine, you know, what's the, the right path. There are always, if it isn't the player you're referring to, there's going to be the next player. It's the one thing about the NBA. It's like uh, Peyton's place, <laughs> Peyton place, not to use Gary Peyton, <laughs> no, but, but you know what I mean? Uh, it's just a, it's just unbelievable how these things seem to happen every year. And we're always going to be looking to make our team better, to try to win a championship. And if we thought it was something better to do for the team, we would do it. You know, we have to weigh short-term, long-term and all that. We have to weigh the financial uh, obligations in both scenarios. But we will do all that and, and make the decision we feel is best. I've posited that just such a deal is almost impossible to do given the salary circumstances, given the, the CBA rules. Are you going to at least agree with me on that part? It would be almost impossible to do something like that. To do what? To trade a bunch of your guys for one guy. It's not impossible. Well, given that there's some designated rookie extension uh, difficulties also, too. Oh, yeah. There's always those kinds of technicalities. Uh, other teams, look, 29 teams are involved in this, probably, uh, at least if you believe the media reports. I really don't know. I mean, honestly, I'm still trying to enjoy <laughs> the championship we just had. And uh, I haven't really had a chance to do that much with this living going on, back surgeries and free agency and draft. But we're all kind of trying to enjoy that. We've got a good thing going. Uh, we're not going to go doing a dumb deal, whether it be now or in the fall or any time for anybody. If we didn't feel it was something that was really good for our team, we wouldn't be doing it. So I think the fans, you know, I'll speak to them right here and just say, and I get, believe me, I'm getting bombarded every day about all these things. Just trust Bob and our group to, uh, to look at all the angles and, and make, a, make, a, make good decisions going forward. We've done a pretty good job over 12 years and Bob deserves the respect to give them that opportunity to do that. One thing Kerr mentioned to me was that he thinks teams always get better after a championship. You know, obviously there's, you know, weariness after multiple runs, fatigue and injuries, but after like a first championship, and we can kind of consider this the first championship of stage two, wherever else this goes, that you're going to get better. Like, and you can see the reasons why you got young players who are only getting better. Clay, I would imagine is only going to get better. Do you have this kind of focus feeling that this team might or probably will be a better, at least regular season team than it was last season? Well, I think it's all, a lot of it's dependent on health. What people don't often realize, you know, it's funny how they forget this last year, we didn't, we only had 11 minutes. I think it was where our core group played together during the course of the year. We were injured the entire year, whether it be Clay, then Draymond, then Steph. So just that alone, if we could manage to stay healthier this next year, I think we would be better. And Clay certainly coming off the injury should be in his second year out more fully recovered. I think that's definitely a, a truth. And, you know, hopefully Draymond's back is, you know, it's held up well during the playoffs, but hopefully that continues to hold up well. And he's has a strong year. The great thing about having Kaminga and Wiseman and Moody and some of these other players going to be taking increasing minutes uh, this next year is that hopefully some of the guys that are getting a little older, we don't have to overplay them during the course of the regular, the long regular season and that they can be really ready for a strong playoff run 
we haven't mentioned Steph Curry here. Obviously, such a you know the central focus of everything. What strikes you about like what this means for his kind of place in the game? I, I don't mean to say that he needed a Finals MVP to validate anything. I've written that that that's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying at age 34 was the best player on the floor in the finals in every minute of every game of all the way through the playoffs says something about the kind of you know the continuity the the endurance whatever you want to say what 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 is your thoughts about what this season kind of encapsulates or or kind of solidifies for Steph Curry's career if you look at all the data he actually was a great no matter what some of the people talking heads say he was a great finals performer for many years but i have to admit we all have to admit he had a phenomenal finals this year his best finals and arguably against a team that everyone said was better than perhaps some of the other teams we even faced. Uh, Maybe not all, but some of them in the finals, they were very long, young, very uh, athletic. The defensive player of the year was guarding him and look what he did. Look what he did. I mean, that was so exciting for me to see Steph have that kind of a finals and particularly game four. I want to point to this to me in person, since I've been the primary owner of the Warriors for 12 years, my favorite game, my favorite game. It was the Oklahoma City game six, the clay game. I love that game. And there were one or two other candidates maybe. But I will tell you, Steph Curry in game four, being down 2-1, 43 points. I mean, just unbelievable performance. And he should be heralded for that. I'm so happy for him that he, he had just what is undeniably one of the great finals performances. You and Bob were sitting right by the Warriors bench, I think, for all the Boston games. I think they showed you one time you were kind of like going, oh, my God, right? I mean, that was that the response watching this thing happen? You knew sitting there that you were watching history. He was in a zone. It was just fantastic. And it's not to say our other players, Andrew Wiggins had a great series. Others had, you know, excellent series. But Steph was just otherworldly. And uh, at 34, you know, not a spring chicken but probably the best conditioned athlete in the NBA. And so, you know, I'm hoping since we have a contract that starts this next year for four more years with Steph and has some pretty big numbers in it, he'll be 38, I think, when it's over. That's an old age in the NBA. I'm hoping, and I always tell him that that he's the next, he's the Tom Brady of the NBA. (laughs) You know, and he just may well be because he is, he works so hard. His conditioning uh, regime, uh, regimen is just so amazing. Do you have a number of titles? Like, what's 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 doable here? What what what, what do you want? You want five? You want seven? You want what's? Is there a number in your head? Like, this would be exactly what I want out of this this run. I don't really have a number. I just want to win all the time. It occurred to me how sick I am when I was at the uh, all three of the California Classic games, and uh, you know, sitting with my back still getting better and not very comfortable, uh, just out of surgery, and I was watching these games this last weekend. I couldn't stand the fact that we lost all three games. I could not stand. I, I kept saying, oh, I hope the camera's not on me because I'm probably showing some pretty bad uh, facial expressions. <laughs> I mean, I just hate losing. And I know it's meaningless. It's a summer league game. It's a California, not even the real summer league yet, but it bugged me. And so I'm very competitive. I mean, this is what we live for. We're supposed to be, right? We're trying to win. And that means win every year. Now, is there a number how many would like to win? No, I will tell you there's only from my standpoint as an owner, If you want to put ego into this just for a moment, I try to live in the moment. I'm not looking at the past. Bob Myers and I are really similar in this respect. We live 
for today and for the future. I'm always on to the next thing. So I'm not a big reveler, smell the roses kind of guy. But I will tell you, there is one data point that does stick in my memory banks. And that is Jerry Buss as an owner. I'm an owner. He's an, he was an owner. 16 finals, 33 seasons of ownership. Now, that's pretty damned incredible. We are six out of 12. So we're on target. <laughs> if you want to have a ridiculous goal, because that is a ridiculous goal. It's probably harder to do now than it was then, uh, as, as great as that was. But, you know, that's kind of the, from an owner's standpoint, if you have to have to point to something, that's kind of where it's at. You can't always win them all, but boy, to have that kind of hit rate to getting your team deep into the finals every year would be a phenomenal achievement. Those Lakers won five championships. I'm sure I remember. I should know this, but I think it was five. They won five. Yeah, yeah, winning time. Yeah, this. By the way, everybody, you should know that the the Warriors uh, higher ups are were big winning times. Was it was it that TV show was an influence for a lot of just just kind of things that were bopping around. Not just not just you, Joe. Not just you. I grew up in Boston, but then I lived in LA. So I, I mean, I kind of lived it in those days, and that was an incredible. The Showtime Lakers to me were so meaningful in my life in terms of basketball. I love basketball. They just were also very, very meaningful in terms of the style, the whole Jerry Buss thing. So whether winning time is accurate or not accurate or, you know, plays with the timelines a little bit, whatever, it still was important, you know, what he did. He changed the NBA. And, uh, you know, maybe we've changed the NBA a little bit in our last decade. It's still early. Now I was thinking, do you start thinking like, okay, what's the, what's our documentary going to be like in 15, 20 years? Does that strike you at all? Uh, I don't really think about it all that much. It's for other people to think about it to, to make. You don't make your own documentary or you shouldn't. Michael Jordan did, but that's... <laughs> yeah, some people do, but, you know, history will be a judge and uh, that's fine with me. This is a dynasty, right? I mean, did you have any question whether it was a dynasty going into the season? And I imagine this ends all discussion that this is a Warriors dynasty. Again, that's for other people to judge whether it is or isn't. I certainly, to some extent, do consider it that, yes. I just told you, you know, I... Six finals in 12 years, four championships, um, and really in eight years since we got there. That's a that's pretty good. I think that classify if you look at the history of quote dynasties, unquote, in the NBA, it's certainly up there with you know Celtics, Lakers, Bulls, Lakers twice, probably. Uh, so you know, I'm 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 extremely humbled to you know just to be even in those conversations. All right, Joe, I will end this with a question, a version of a question I ask everybody, and I like getting back to kind of the old school TK show question because we moved away after the pandemic. We can't ask about restaurants because people weren't going, but we're all going back to restaurants now. Uh, you and I might have been gone to a restaurant once in a while. So, Joe Lakeup, what's your favorite restaurant right now? Well, <clears throat> this is a little self-serving, but Miller & Lux, which is right on the Warrior campus, right adjacent, uh, right on the Terry Francois Boulevard, but right, really part of the main building. In fact, Tim, as you know, I took you there recently uh, because I owed you from a bet. Yeah, no, to pay off a bet, everybody. Pay off a bet. Pay off a bet. I off finally a bet. paid it off. I felt terrible that I had not paid it off over the years. I just was remiss. And so I, uh, I brought Tim there and, you know, you can say what you thought of it, but I will just tell you, we're extremely happy with it. Tyler Florence is the, the head chef and, and owner, essentially. We're partners with him and you know, he's trying to get a Michelin star. And uh, I mean, everyone really, if you had a chance to go once uh, or, or more than once, you should try it out because he's doing a hell of a job and we're really proud of it. 
What's your favorite dish? Go ahead and say what your favorite dish is. Well, I get the same thing every time, unfortunately. I'm a creature of habit. He has an incredible Caesar salad where all the material, all the ingredients are all grown locally in Sonoma, the lettuces, you know, and all that stuff. And, and he just, it's the presentation of how he does it is also pretty incredible. But the Caesar salad and then the Dover's sole, which is flown in, I think, every other day from, from France. I'm not a sole guy normally, but I just love uh, the preparation and I get it every time. I would say that the caviar donuts are something unexpected. Like you got, you ordered it and you said, I'd love it. And it's like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and I have actually recommended it to people, Joe. I will, really? I have, and I don't do that for nothing. That is a unique taste and I kind of want more of it. It was so good. But we'll have you back. How's that? Yeah. Okay. Well, I will pay. I will pay. I want to make sure I have. Let's, let's just let's be clear because people are going to aggregate this. I have paid for owners to eat at other places. So this is my this is my because of a bet that I owed. So this is a bet that I won. Strictly a bet. That's what it was. And so the next time, if Joe Lacob and I go out or whatever, I, I, it's on me because that's how we do this. I don't want the aggregators to jump all over me for this. But it is true. I, I read those comments like we're some sort of buddies or friends. <laughs> no. It's actually far from the truth. I mean, it's a professional relationship of, and that's it. And I will say something else about that. You know, when I first bought the team 12 years ago, you were pretty hard on me and us, if I recall. Mm, People not forget. that hard. Not that you were pretty hard. And, and, you know, I made, I'll be honest, I made a concerted effort to not just you, but other Marcus and some of the other guys who have been around for a long time, try to at least have you see our point of view and what we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, I, I will say, I think you're, you're tough and and fair, as is Marcus, by the way, and others. And uh, so I just, I, I, you know, we appreciate that. We don't need you to say all rosy things about us all the time. And me in particular, I don't really care. Tell the truth, you know, if we're screwing up, you need to say it. So just so the audience understands that, I, we don't need that. We don't need anybody sucking up to us and I, you don't. And I just, I just want to say that that's, uh, you have a job to do and we understand it. I appreciate it. I just, as I say to some people who, I mean, I get hit for this, whatever, but like, Joe Lake has probably yelled at me more than almost anybody. <laughs> like, I, you know, I don't talk about it, but like, it, it's an interesting back and forth. And I, you know, I like, you know, this, I like to have a back and forth. Jim Harbaugh, I had a great back and forth with, uh, you know, who, Kyle Shanahan, I have a very good back and forth with. Like, these are interesting people. Billy Bean, there's, you know, Jerry West, as you know, like Jerry and I, we'd be screaming at each other. And yet we understood each other and we and and that conversation led us to understand each other even better so i will include you joe and that's a good category of people in my mind where it's interesting and it can be combative at times but it's also i think helps the stories and maybe helps you guys like you know be understood by other people and uh, i'm all for that i'm all for the back and forth so Maybe people think that, maybe they don't think that, but yeah, you and I have gone around and around a few times and that's fine. That's, I, I never have a problem with that. We're running a business. I mean, it's fun, it's entertaining, it's meaningful to me as a fan too, and to the fans that are out there. We get, I get that. But you know, we have a business to run. We're trying to, uh, to the ex any extent that we can uh, in, in at all create a narrative, we're always gonna try to do that. That's what you're supposed to do. But the truth is, the media creates the narratives, and we mostly respond to them. And I'll end this by saying, I am paying the next time. That is a rule, period, end of story. <laughs> that, is, that is the way this is going, but I have no problem talking about it. Joe, anything else you want to add to all this? It's an interesting conversation. I have no, this is, I, this is I will just stuff. say one more thing, and that is that uh, I want our fans to know 
anyone who listens, I don't know who listens to this exactly, but millions, millions, yes, millions and millions. I want our fans to know how much we appreciate them and their support. We do not take that lightly at all. We want them to have a great fan experience. We tried to deliver that at the arena, not just winning, but also, you know, everything else at that arena. If you see something that doesn't meet your approval, yay, you got to tell us and we'll try to make it better. But we appreciate their support. We know that uh, the Bay Area is an expensive place to live. We know our tickets aren't cheap. We try to give them a great product. You know, hopefully we deliver to their expectations this year. But thank you to all of them. God, I'll sneak a question here. I'm sorry I should have brought this. This is the first championship in San Francisco, Joe. This is you, 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 you move across the Bay. It is a huge undertaking. And you get the, you know, you get hit with the, the tough circumstances of the first two seasons. And this season, you get a championship. Just w- what was different about that? And then what did you feel about having your first, you know, your parade in San Francisco, a championship at Chase Center? That's a good point. We really should have spoken about that earlier. The Oakland parades were incredible, but this was also incredible in its own way. Very different parade. That was a great feeling that we could move to San Francisco, went through a pandemic, really hard on everybody in the city. And certainly us, as everyone knows, as a, you know, most of our revenues went away during that. But the fact that we could come back, win a championship for our fans, have that arena that we worked so hard to build and, and finance and put it together, you know, serve its purpose as well as it did. And then to have that parade was a momentously exciting experience, which to be honest with you, I'm still reflecting on. I, I really haven't had a chance to, to do that yet. It was very, very meaningful and uh, sort of puts a, a bow on everything, you know, for the 12 years it, and uh, gets us moving, you know, off a great start into this new direction here as we go forward here in San Francisco. All right. That puts a bow on this episode. Joe Lakeb, as always, I appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much. All right. Well, thank you very much. That's the show for today, everybody.